Oh, hello there. Welcome to the Food and Movies Podcast. I'm your host, Paul. That's my friend, Jeremy. Oh, hey there. How's it going? <laughs> yeah, I didn't see you there, but uh, you're here now. This is the Food and Movies Podcast, as I mentioned before, where we deconstruct. We don't deconstruct. Well, we do kind of. Kind but of. We investigate the intersection between food and movies. It depends on the movie. I guess last week we deconstructed a little bit. Um, <laughs> but this week, yeah. this week things are going to change. What movie are we doing? We're, we're doing a redemption film here, I think. Redemption yes, for are. last week. Yes, we are. And normally you mention it, but since you threw it to me, I'll mention it. We're doing possibly the greatest food movie of all time. We're talking about the goat of food movies here, people. This is Big Night. Big Night. Big Night, big podcast, big expectations, which I feel... Um, is warranted for this movie. So before we get into it, just a little background on the podcast and how it goes. Jeremy and I will give our initial thoughts about the movie. Then we will analyze the food in the movie in a chronological way. But in general, it's a free-forming conversation, improvisational, uh, uh, basically absurdist film criticism using food and our own vast knowledge of life, movies, food, and, uh, you know, the American way, even though we're Canadian. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So your first initial thoughts, Jer. Let's let's talk about it, man. Let's get into this. It's so funny because I hadn't actually watched this movie for such a long time. I watched it when I was a kid. And yeah. I always remembered it being like, oh, yeah, that's the movie where they eat dinner at a restaurant. Um, but I had a co-worker years ago saying, oh, you should watch this movie. You should watch this movie. And he always would bring in the big night. If you know, if you like food, it's the movie you gotta watch. It's the food movie, and I was yeah, I'll watch it again. Never got around to it, mainly because I just never really thought of it at the time. But rewatched it for the for the purposes of this podcast, and like really dug into the nuance of it, and uh, it just it it was such a refreshing palate cleanse after what we watched last week. Oh, I like uh, the wording. I love how you worded that. That was it. It was like a. It was like an aperitif, or in the Italians, the apertivo. Um, we needed it, though. Yeah, it really kind of cleansed that palate, and uh, it was like a nice, refreshing sorbet after the big steaming pile of schlock we watched. Keep them coming. Week. Keep let's go. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, what, what about how about you? Initial thoughts? How you feeling? What's going on? Man, I gotta, I gotta admit, I got kind of emotional watching this film. I really did. Uh, First and first and foremost, this is the film which I think launched the entire subgenre or genre of food movies. This is a foodie movie. Yeah, this is the fir- this is the first one I'm aware of that yeah. I've ever watched. I mean, you tell like listeners at home, you tell me if there's yeah. a better one or an earlier one or what. I don't know. Maybe you know H. L. Mencken back in the day did one. I have no idea. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, there may have been like a Chaplin one with pies. I don't know. Yeah, Buster Keaton and Charlie Chaplin had dueling food movies, one with pies, one with, I think, strudel. You know? Yeah. But uh, so. what are you going to do? Oh, uh, uh, what's her name? Lucille Ball with the chocolates on the conveyor belt. That was a TV show, so we're not yeah. going to include that. Probably won't go there. Um, yeah, it's funny you say that this kind of started it, and we did it in reverse order, but we watched the movie last week that killed the food yeah. genre. We had to. in the head. And then this is the one that started it, that kind of took us to a whole new level it's we really we talk about book endings all the time we in the vein of pulp fiction started with the end and now we're back at the beginning because 
Burnt, as Jeremy mentioned, really did destroy the genre of food movie or foodie movie. We're not even sure what the genre is called. We're going to call it food movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but Big Night started it. And you can see the great contrast between the two movies. Big Night was a singular passion project by a dude who loves food, loves movie movies, loves his Italian heritage, loves the immigrant of experience, his experience of his parents and grandparents. And it shows in every single frame of this movie. You you watch this movie and it's like getting a warm hug from your Italian nonna after, mm-hmm. you know, coming home from school, walking through a snowstorm. It felt so good watching this movie. I mean, and then Burnt, it was the exact opposite. You can tell it was made by a studio, made by dudes who look at spreadsheets all day. And they just did this weird detached calculation on how to make a food movie. They yeah. made it. They all thought it should have worked. It's all got the it's got all the elements in there. Was a st- steaming pile of crap. Yeah, just is what it was. It felt like it was written by a committee. Yeah, um, and then and in contrast, the big night felt like it was written by somebody who is very very passionate about food and as you said about Italian culture and about the immigrant experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in the U.S., so yes, um, yeah. I mean, clearly, we liked this film. Clearly, it was uh, it, it 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 did it hit home for us as as two Italian immigrants. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not. We're not. Well, listen, um, J- Jeremy's Jewish. I'm Indian. We have immigrants, kind of DNA and psychology in our past. So this, uh, as far as origin stories go, th- this kind of hits close to both of us because we are either sons or grandsons of immigrants. And uh, we're all kind of related when we're that close to immigration. So when I was watching this movie, I haven't watched it in years, like years. And I watched this movie around the same time I watched Pulp Fiction. That was when I was first getting into movies. And I loved it so much back then. But it was one of those things where it's like you listen to a song that you haven't heard since you were in you know, junior high or whatever, or high school, and you hear it again and boom, you're right back there. You're just... You're, you're, you remember exactly what you were thinking when you were watching this movie back then. It it took me on a nostalgia trip that I haven't been on in a long time, man. Like, it really took me back. And I almost teared up a couple of times because I just remember, you know, young unibrown, unibrow, unibrown, I should do that my username, unibrow, <laughs> fat Paul, you know, in Halifax, trying to figure out what the hell I'm doing in this city as, you know, one of the few brown people who grew up here. Just like, what is going on? And uh, yeah, it's a real personal, it's it's ve- it's very much a part of my own origin story, I feel like. This movie and Pulp Fiction. Yeah, yeah, but this movie, I, it didn't, because I've, I've watched Pulp Fiction repeatedly throughout my life, but this I haven't. No. And so watching it again, it really connected me psychologically to my younger self in a weird way. Okay. Like reading an old journal entry or something like that? I think that's you know, super interesting about that. I I don't. I think maybe because, you know, I'm downtown Toronto, born and raised and kind of born and raised in and amongst my own people. Um, it really like I didn't get that experience from it. I and and when I did originally watch this movie, I was too young to register memories, probably. Um, so I remember the film, but I don't there was nothing visceral about it for me, except for the fact that I liked it. I liked it in the fact that and I th- we were talking about this before, where sometimes a simple story, just a very simple linear story, without too many twists and turns, like 
bringing in elements that are unneeded um, to cover off some base or whatever. Um, it, it really is an effective way to tell a story, right? Yeah. We talked about The Revenant and how Guy leaves place, gets attacked by Bear, comes back to place, leaves place, again, kills Guy. Like very mm. simple story, but it worked, very effective. This is the same thing. It's, you know, guys are struggling. Big night's going to happen. You know, they're, they're, they see their salvation. Spoiler alert, doesn't really happen. Uh, and then we end off. Like very straightforward, linear story. But it's kind of the fun you have along the way that really makes this film. Well, I completely agree with what you're saying. And I love, it's, it's, it's exactly what you mentioned. It's sort of like, it's not the story, it's how you execute it. Basically, mm -hmm. and which I think is a very good parallel to the way the traditional Italian pastas were, like you mentioned. Some of them only had two to three ingredients, yeah. but executed well is delicious. This movie, like you said, it's about a couple of brothers in an Italian restaurant trying to save it from being closed. They throw a party at the end, not even in like a wild party, just a regular nice party. It doesn't work out. Simple story, but everything along the way was so interesting. And yeah. specific and yeah it really was like a simple italian pasta elevated by the details yeah and by by the great cast yeah yeah well i have a, a couple things i want to mention in the intro um is the is how it's great to see a movie like this where everything is period and it's not right now everything you watch you can kind of tell it's on like a screen like there's, there's a green screen behind everybody and Mm -hmm. it has this everything has this weird glow about it now but back like you you're watching this and you're seeing all these the the specificity to the time and the place everything was real it felt real the signage and the little the details in the bar and yeah in the kitchen all those things and the, and the clothing and whatnot the hairstyles super super specific this yeah. is you know new jersey this is 1950s couple of brothers trying to make it in a real Italian restaurant, not one of those mainstream ones. Yeah. Uh, a movie for grown folks. This is, this is among, this is on our wall of fame of movies for grown folks. Yeah. And it deals with the complexities and subtleties of adult relationships, you know? Yeah. In a in lot a, of ways. It, yeah. And like in, in, in burnt as the contrast, he's got all these wild relationships, you know, this guy's in jail, this guy is screwed over in his restaurant He's got an ex over here. The guy's in it. You know, he's self-destructing. He's got nemesises, nemeses, nemeses, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. This film, the relationships are so simple, but they're complex. These are real grown up yeah. relationships. You yeah. Know? It, it, there's an authenticity there. And I think it comes to, you know, full circle to where you were starting this thought is it's shot in a very, like you, you look at it and even the, you know, I would say, I want to say the filter on it but this is this is yeah. what unfiltered film looks like right this is what 90 96 film looks like yeah. um shot on a on film on yeah process, on film like emulsion. yeah it made it feel like i was watching a film that was shot in the 50s now i know that it wasn't that because films in the 50s were what black and white maybe and you tell me um but, uh, they were getting around to color back then yeah, but yeah. i know what you mean yeah like it had that kind of it wasn't full HD. It wasn't, you know, shot in a thousand billion frames per second. It was shot on film by a filmmaker and had an art director that seemed to actually care about what was going into the film. 
the different cars they used, the way the kitchen looked, um, the, what people wore, fashion, like had a real eye for the period in which they were trying to capture. And this comes up a lot when you can tell that they just kind of put every car in from the same year. And they just like, this wasn't that like they drove an older car. You saw some new Cadillacs. Um, there's just a lot of interesting kind of truths about the fifties and no more so than when we get into the food of the movie, some of the food that was being served, um, uh, like the big table side presentations and, and cutting it in front of the, the, uh, the, the, you know, as, as kind of a ta-da, um, mm -hmm. That was very big early on. Like, you know, the, the steak poivre next to the table where they're lighting the thing on fire or the table side Caesar salad or, yeah. you know, like they did the, or the roast beef carvery, like that kind of that big reveal that you get at these old school restaurants that just it doesn't exist anymore because, mm. you know, now you've got the open kitchen so you can watch um, or. Sometimes you'll see it on Hell's Kitchen. Gordon Ramsay will send one of his poor chefs out to make a, make a fool of himself like next to the table. But like, that's just to put somebody under pressure on TV. I You rarely see it at restaurants. Like maybe at your old school steakhouses. You get mm -hmm. it sometimes. But so that's yeah. just, it was just a nice little subtle touch that uh, we, we'll get into when we talk about the food. Yeah, absolutely. Um couple other things I want to mention in the intro. Great to see regular looking people yeah. getting to star in a movie. They're, everyone in this movie is generally just regular looking as far as looks go, but they were all incredibly charismatic, you know, yeah. despite their average-ish looks. Um, well, Mini Driver was considered to be very attractive at some point. Yeah, this is, this is Mini Driver before she dropped. She went anorexic and dropped oh, like 50 okay. pounds or whatever. This is like... Good old fashioned, you know what I mean? The mini driver that I want would want to be friends with. Your you kind know, of mini driver. And I mean Yeah, some curves to her, you know. Ian Holmes, pretty sexy. If you know. Ian Holm, killing it. Might be the greatest Ian Holm role I've ever seen. There's I'll a lot. That in a sec. He he's good at a lot. He's a very oh. good actor. Holy cow, he kills this role. Yeah. Not, oh, so good. Stanley Tucci, who was the writer, director, star, sorry, co-director, star cast mini driver who was actually quite a bit like she's almost she as tall, tall as him yeah yeah so short king stanley tucci tucci leaning into his short king energy god bless him yeah yeah i don't think any i don't think tom cruise is doing that I no mean, well he's just they shoot him low all the time i i know but the, you actually have two shots here with him and mini driver and you can literally see the height difference they didn't have to do that he thought no this is their relationship mm -hmm. these relationships exist in real life let's just yeah. do it you know yeah so yeah, those are my thoughts. The opening, the intro. Anything, anything else you wanted to mention before we get going? No, I think the the food will really uh, kind of bring my thoughts to life here because there's a lot of it, and Ooh, so yeah. um, I you know I really want to attack that. Let's let's get right into it. All right. So as a food movie, we get right down to business. We opening shot is a young Mark Anthony, the singer Mark Anthony, in a bit part before he became a superstar. Yeah. Shout out to Stanley Tucci for uh, recognizing this man's potential. Put him yeah. in a little... I, I'm pretty sure it was a non-speaking role. I don't think this guy spoke very much. He, added, he, he added a lot. <laughs> He's, yeah. He was always there. And he yeah. was always doing... He got kind of some emotional 
I don't know what it was from him, but he added to each scene he was in, but he didn't say anything. No, he was great. He was just yeah. kind of there. You know, it, it really did add a lot to it. You don't have to say much just to add yeah. to the movie. Um, but he is standing, looking out into the Atlantic Ocean. Atlantic Ocean? Yeah, Atlantic Ocean. Would be. He's eating something and wearing a chef's jacket. We're not sure Look, what. Looked like bread to me. Probably bread. I'm going to go with Probably, bread. Yeah. All right, bread. And then we follow him as he walks into a very Italian kitchen. A great looking kitchen, too. Yeah. Man, that looked like a great kitchen. And yeah. we see two men who we later learn are uh, Primo, which is Tony Shalhoub's character. He is the master Italian chef. And yeah. his brother, who is Stanley Tucci, named Secundo. Shout yeah. out to their dad for letting both of them know, listen, you're, you're number one, you're, you're number two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which I think helps to explain a lot of their relationship. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot going on there beneath the surface. But such a simple nuance as naming the Primo Secundo is like, yeah. it's very funny, uh, first I of think, all. I think it's funny. It's uh, it's it's to the point. You're not wasting time nope. naming your kids. Like, okay, you're first. I'm going to have another one. He's going to be second. That's the names, you know? Right. Also, it should, it should diminish sibling rivalry because we know. No, he's number one. You're number two. That's what it is. That's and... Interesting contrast to Burnt, where in Burnt they would have said, my brother was born before me, and then yeah. I was born. He yeah. was the first, and that's why his name was... They just said the name and moved on. Yeah. And it let you, the smart, intelligent viewer, glean what you can from it. So, um, just, you know, this is what, when, when we talk about contrast between the two movies, that's what we mean, like, in a lot of ways. It's a very good analogy for the bigger problem with Burnt. But... Back to this. Back to this. And one thing I noticed when I first watched this movie was there had not been very restaurant, many restaurant movies back then. Yeah. I noticed how much Stanley Tucci was helping with the cooking, with the prep and everything. Yeah. And I was naive at the time and I was like, I think he might be the chef. Is he going to be the actual chef? Is, is this like a reversal thing where they're playing with me? You know what I mean? But it's like, no, no, no. Chefs need a assistance. And yeah. they didn't have anybody. So he was just there assisting him, you know? Yeah. But you no, know, he's the genius. There's not going to be one of those weird, like, no. tacky kind of reversals here. But And he's telling yeah. him, don't cut it too fine. I do too much garlic, yada, yada, yada. So, yeah. like, um, and then Mark, Mark Anthony there. Mark Anthony is the, he's kind of the, he's the kitchen assistant. But they're so short-staffed that Tucci has to jump back there, too, and help out. Yeah, Mark Anthony is kind of like the overall helper. You know, mm -hmm. buses, tables, cleans things, helps with it, whatever. But, uh Good dude, Mark Anthony. Um, one of the scenes that I remember since day one was the scene of Primo going through the restaurant adjusting things. I, it was so slow and methodical. There was a lot of ASMR too. There's something mm -hmm. about him kind of like just adjusting and like moves the flower pot a little bit outside, chucks the rock aside. And then the, the two ashtrays on the bar. Mm-hmm. There's something about watching someone who was earnestly doing something, which is very watchable, I find. Yeah. I don't know. And it also t tells you that he's meticulous. Mm -hmm. You know, as a chef, he's probably very meticulous. He, he cares a lot about every detail. So when we get into the food he makes, it's very interesting. Well, sorry, this was this was Secundo. This was oh, well, yeah, yeah. yeah, both of them though. Both of them seem to be well, very. very it, it shows you he really cares. You know what I mean? Like he really, really cares about this restaurant. It's he it takes a lot of pride in it. 
Yeah, I think it's his. Sorry, you're right. Tucci throws the rock away. Tucci moves Mm -hmm. the ashtrays and then Buddy's in the kitchen making the food. Sorry. Right. So this is the whole movie is our poor boy, Secundo, Stanley Tucci. Just trying to just try to get it. Just try to make it, man. Just like trying to hold on to this business, which is struggling so bad. And his whole life is this business. You know what I mean? And it's like, he has this thing where it's like, I really want this business to work. And he has faith in people that they will understand how good this food is eventually. If they just give him a chance, if they just give him a chance, people will get it. We kind of see his dilemma in the first customer scene where we got this very working class American couple. God bless them. You know what I mean? Dudes eating pasta and the lady she orders what she thinks is seafood and rice, which is actually seafood risotto. And she does not know what the heck she's looking at. Right. And she, she, to the shock of Segundo, she wants to order a plate of a side of spaghetti with her risotto. Right. Jer, would you have flipped this table over if someone had, if you had been Segundo at that point? <laughs> well, it goes back to when we watched Annie Hall and I was talking about um, things you do and don't do in a deli. Uh, mm-hmm. Mayonnaise being a big no-no. Putting lettuce, big no-no. Uh, this in Italian culture Ooh. is a big no-no because um, the, the the Italian course structure, which we'll get into later, really allows for you to have a diversity of food across a longer period of time. And this would be like having like like having steak and chicken. In the mm. same, which sounds delicious, but it's weird. Or having like mm. a steak and a pork chop. Like yeah. I, I get surf and turf is fine, but it's just, it's a nonsense move because you're having right. two two starches. So risotto is like is almost like a pasta in a lot of ways because it's very it's, it's rice, so it's, it's very, starchy as hell. It, it's very heavy. Um, yeah. Like pasta, Italians will cook the the rice to an al dente, so it's got a little tooth to it. And usually they add in other ingredients. This, In this case, it's seafood. Um, but that doesn't mean that there are going to be chunks of seafood in there. It could be with risotto, you build it with a broth. So it could be that he made the, the stock from all of the ingredients, the shellfish that, that he, you know, Secundo was speaking about, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so that's the, the nuance there. Usually you'd have risotto in one dish. Or, you know, as your, maybe your, uh, your secundi. And then for your, you know, your main course, you would have like something else, something with protein in it. Right. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. it's just, it's kind of a big faux pas what they're doing. And it just shows, and you see that Primo says like, I don't want to have to educate these people. Like they're, they're Philistines. Um, which is one of my favorite words for for dress for dressing somebody down if you call them a a philistine it's a very intelligent kind of nerdy way of making them feel like complete crap um but so it's just you just don't do it um but at risotto we'll stop I'm, i'm gonna give you guys my risotto recipe look for it down if you're watching on youtube it'll be down below so that's what oh. we're going to do. We're going to do the Philistine, right. the Philistine risotto. Oh, this is fantastic! Right out of the gate, early on, like yeah. I, I always wonder where these recipes recipes are going to appear. But like, wow, that's that's good that it came out early because now yeah. everyone's got to stay on their toes. 
to watch I, for the recipes. So. I didn't want to do the the big thing at the end there because that's been done. Um, it's been done for sure. Yeah. yeah. But well, uh, I, yeah, you mentioned the Philistine uh, slur. <laughs> when I watched this movie when I was a kid, I thought that was the funniest thing I'd ever heard in my life. I yeah. was like, I've never heard someone call someone a Philistine before. And I've I've used that in my life since then many times. In fact, oftentimes when I've gotten into an altercation with somebody over something stupid, I will call them a Philistine just to watch their brain kind of like break yeah. down. Like, what did that guy call me? What the... <laughs> Did he call me a Filipino? Like, what What was that? You know what I mean? <laughs> if somebody, from now on, if people call me a Philistine, I'm going to just say thank you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, people at home, if you're getting into an altercation with somebody, call them a Philistine and watch their face. Yeah. They'll, they'll take a second to kind of like, what was that? What did he say? You know, like, it's, it's a good thing to throw out there. And eat, so. a, bre- eat a breadstick while you're doing it. Eat a breadstick while you're yeah. doing it. But uh, a great... This was the first time I had, I had worked in restaurants when I was younger. And I believe I saw this while I was working at a restaurant at Freeman's, by the way. On ah, yeah. Yeah. Pizza, and, pizza Saturday, was it? Or what was that? Yeah. Pizza. Well, they were open till five. They were the latest uh, place open in the city. And so we got a lot of drunk people calling us at, at four o'clock, basically, looking for pizza. Which didn't they have, I was the delivery driver. Didn't they have an all you can eat day, though? I think Sunday was the uh, happy hour. With yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. It was great. Yeah. They're still around. Laurel's got like four or five different uh, different places now. They're all great. Wow. But um, I worked in kitchens and I, I will tell you, a lot of the people in these kitchens were pretty rough customers. And they, if there was an alteration or some kind of the customer wasn't happy in any way, these guys would get really upset. I, I do remember this. And when I watched this movie and watched Primo getting just personally offended at this woman ordering spaghetti i was like yeah that happens i've been with these guys and they really are that upset because they never have to deal with customers so they can just cuss out the waiter and be fine about it but when but when secundo calls his bluff is like oh really okay and like there you go what's up now tough guy and of course he backs down immediately all these cooks do all these cooks are tough until they see a customer looking back at them it, it reminds me of advertising in that you've got the client accounts and the creatives. And yeah. so the, the accounts cl- are the waitress. The accounts are the, the waiters. Yeah. yeah. Clients are the clients. And yep. and then they come back and they say, yeah, client doesn't like what you wrote. And you're like, oh, Philistines. And then and then they're like, well, what? Do you want to talk to them? I was like, no, I'm good. Yeah, I'll exactly. <laughs> Jerry, how many times have you come back and be like, why? That's an idiotic thing to do. Why would I do that? Like, you want to talk to them? No, all right, I'll make change. It's exactly the same thing. <laughs> yeah. It's that creative uh, ego that yeah uh, that primo has and yeah. uh he doesn't want to be he doesn't want to compromise his creative vision in the kitchen which i think is you know as a chef i think that's how you're supposed to be right like yeah it's yeah. your it's yeah. you're putting the product out so you don't compromise don't you know if if you stand by he stands by what he delivers um, mm-hmm. which I see nothing wrong with that, except for the fact that it's making his brother crazy. And also the restaurant is going under. So right. right. this is something we got to deal with eventually. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like how, how steadfast are you to your code, to your personal food code? So, yeah. you know, it gets pushed to the test in this movie in a subtle way, but um, it was just, th- these are, these are real life 
things that happen to people that are really important to them, which seem trivial and like uh, next to a Marvel movie where, you know, the world could explode or some aliens coming down. I felt more empathy and tension with these scenes than I ever do in a Marvel movie. I I don't like it. I don't care. There's an asteroid coming to earth to destroy. I know it's not going to happen. Yeah. I mean, but with this, I'm like, Oh geez, what do you do, man? Like this is a tough spot. You know, are we entering the Marvel movie fray here? Like, all the directors out there, Tarantino and all them talking about Marvel movies. Are we? Well, are we, would are you we, like to comment? Are on? we I dipping made into little, this pool? I um, jabbed them already. Do you want? Do you want? To no, I I completely agree with you. Um, I don't. You know, there's a time and a place for a Marvel movie, and there's a time. You know, I'll watch a Marvel movie. I like to go to the. We theater. have to. That's all there are. Man. <laughs> it's true. We don't have much else. Um, yeah. I'll go to the theaters, watch a big blockbuster film, and you know, get nothing from it except for the fact that I watched stuff blow up and there was some semblance of a story and it was coherently put together and bravo. Um, mm-hmm. But this movie, you want to follow it. You want to know a little bit more about it because it's it's something that could happen to you. It's something that is so is real and you know about it. And it's it's, you know, it's a man losing his business or two men losing their business um, and then just these little new character nuances between them is showing you why that's happening. And they're kind of setting up like a good pasta. You're building flavor upon flavor upon flavor. Right. So yes. this 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 story is actually like a lot of Italian dishes where you build flavors. And mm-hmm. right now we've already seen the building blocks of one was born first, one was born second. Um they work together. Secundo's meticulous, business-oriented. Primo is a uncompromising genius chef. And they haven't said very much. No, that's the that's the right? great thing. We watch we watch how they behave. Nobody told us this. And yeah. this is for all you young writers out there. That's how you write. That's it's it's not telling me, it's showing me. And as soon as as soon as you figure out how to show people why, you know, somebody does something, it's it, you know, you build your characters first and then you tell the story with those characters and every action they do should exude their character traits. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's why this movie has, you know, very small flavor building, as I said, but it's, it's subtle and it's brilliant and it's real. I'm glad you mentioned the the writing and the writing style. And the thing that I wanted to talk about as far as Marvel movies and, mo- and most movies these days, every character nowadays seems to be speaking with the same voice. Mm-hmm. But this movie, every character, you really felt their biography in yeah. everything they said. Like they were really felt different. Every one of them, you know, yeah. you could kind of trace back like, oh, this used car salesman, he's got a way different backstory than these guys over here and and the lady at the flower shop you can kind of sense their entire life just with how they were kind of behaving mm-hmm. you know they it didn't seem like some you know writer from the harvard lampoon is just in here just punching up crazy you know rat-a-tat dialogue for everybody you know but so i, I that that i really loved about this as well the lady at the flower shop was allison janney allison janney she's a great actress yep Yep, yep. Minute 11, Primo accepts paintings from his artist friend in exchange for food. 
which Secundo rolls his eyes uh, about. But that is an awesome thing that happens in Europe, mm-hmm. which I wish I I would love to be in a situation where I'm in a restaurant and I see a young like a painter exchanging his paintings for some food at an Italian restaurant. That just seems so romantic to me. Yeah, uh, loved that. It's it's tr- trading art for art in his mind, right? Yeah, like he sees pre- them, he sees that as a fair trade. Yeah, Primo, who was ready to you know uh, throw this paying customer out on her butt for ordering a hot spaghetti, he's perfectly happy trading his food for art, though. Like, yeah, he really does not care about the commerce at all. It seems like. Yeah, he just he's these are two artists doing an exchange. Yeah, and then at minute twelve. Secundo sheepishly asks, and he knows the answer, but he has to ask anyway, do you think we can take the risotto off the menu? Not many people order it. It takes a long time. It costs a lot. Can we take it away? Primo initially says, sure. But then he lures him into an insult yeah. by then expanding and saying, maybe maybe we could replace it with this thing called... Uh, and like Stanley Tucci kind of leans Bills in. Oh, no, what, on what, what is it? What is it? What? Uh, yeah. He, he wants some... You know, he wants some interaction and 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 some and some ideas from Primo. He thinks, oh, Primo's, you know, he's got some ideas to fix it. He goes, can we replace it with a hot dog? And yeah. Like, you douche. Yeah. You, 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 you dick. <laughs> pompous douchebag. Like, yeah. come on, man. I'm trying to save the restaurant here. Yeah, but it was good. I mean, it, 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 it explains how he feels about um, things like spaghetti and meatballs, which is... From for all I can understand, it was an American invention. Not an, yeah. Like, meatballs are a thing in Italy, I believe, but the, you wouldn't. Yeah. Have, I don't think you'd eat it with spaghetti. Uh, once again, going back to owing back to the Italian meal structure, which we'll get mm. into. So that that was the risotto affair, as I like to call it, the beginning of the movie. This yeah. little story about just the risotto, which yeah. comes in later on. By the way, the risotto. We're not done with the risotto at all. No, there's more risotto. There's more risotto. Uh, minute 17, it's kind of after the shift oh. is over. They've not really made any money. And Secundo goes to visit his buddy Alberto, who is a barber, and he brings him a pot of special rabbit. Do you know anything about rabbit in Italian cooking at all? It's Yeah, it's a staple in Italian cooking. Um, oh. a, a lot of European cooking, actually. But uh, rabbit, in North America, rabbit's not quite as seen as... Um, good like we just it i don't know there's a cultural aversion to eating it well they're so cute yeah i I guess that's really it boils down to that but in but in i think i think it's probably would be northern italy Mm. uh correct me if i'm wrong i'm not i'm I'm not a big expert on that they get touchy about that those italians they get real touchy yeah so if there's a a touchy italian who wants to weigh in let please let us know Uh, but i believe it's it's like a more rustic northern Italian, like a rabbit stew or, or, or rabbit dishes like that. Uh, it's very gamey. Um, it's kind of like chicken. Like it, it's similar to chicken. I know that everything's like chicken, but the way the rabbits are kind of structured tastes. To me, it tastes like chicken. Some people would disagree, I'm sure. Um, mm. But yeah, a rabbit stew is kind of seems like a fairly normal Italian dish that people would, would eat, I think. Do you eat the ears? I doubt it. Okay. All right. If they were French, they would eat those fucking ears. Yeah, yeah. They would. Yeah. Yeah, they would do that. <clears throat> so as Primo is going to visit his barber friend, played by this great actor we see all over the place, but I don't know his name, but just a great face on this guy. Awesome yeah. character actor. Um, 
and awesome voice on him too. While he's doing that, at minute 24, Secundo goes to visit his rival at a very popular Italian restaurant called Pascal's. And there's this one tracking shot with no cuts where he goes into the restaurant and it's like descending into the seventh realms of hell. Like everything is bathed in this red light. There are people kind of frolicking and, and being just, just showing their, their, their appreciation of this really not good food that he can see from the tables. And as he's traveling through the restaurant, deeper and deeper into the restaurant, it's like going deeper and deeper into a hell, which he doesn't want to get. This is the opposite of his dream. He does not mm-hmm. want this. Mm-hmm. But this is what's successful in America. And throughout this entire shot, it ends and lands on Pascal, played by Ian Holm, yeah. who has a frying pan, which is on fire of Cherry's Jubilee. And he's laughing maniacally. Yeah. The, the, he's clearly, the, he's the devil. Is he not the devil in this? Like, it, is that he, I, he kind of feels like the devil because. And he's making he, a deal with He's this making guy. a deal with the devil. I think there is some sort of analogy here. Um, you know, coming to the promised land selling your soul to save your restaurant the flaming hot cherries really did it for me yeah it really did kind of and the and the lighting in the restaurant with the red light yeah it was very kind of it it was it it was kind of like what a mob movie would make uh an italian restaurant look like so that Mm. it it's very clear to an american audience this is an italian restaurant but then cherry's cherry's jubilee is not really that italian but i guess he's you know he's making whatever appeals to the uh, the masses, right? As opposed to um, <clears throat> Primo, who won't do that. He will not bend to the masses. He does what he wants to do. He wants the authentic food, the real stuff. Yeah, and and uh, Ian Holm only wants to make money. He he. So he's doing, and this goes back to what we were talking about earlier. This is a big table side hurrah. For, you know, usually the table side thing is kind of like a pretty basic. They just want to light something on fire. So everyone at the table goes, oh, um, it's like it's like the hibachi cooking or when you're at like Lone Star or whatever and the sizzling fajitas come out. Yeah. Like it's it's that it's this like it's the 1950s version of that, um, which is more showmanship than substance. I'll tell you what, though, I, I, I don't like the fact that this guy is bastardizing Italian food, but man, I love a good tableside flame of some kind. I, I'm a sucker for that. I you like it. the, you're, you're into the onion volcano at the Benihana's? Anything to do with fire? Yeah. I'm just like, I just, yeah, let's go, man. Let's make, make this a, a dangerous dinner. A good flambe. Yeah. What, whatever it is. I'll, I'll, yeah. If you can, if you can light a flaming mo for me, I'll take one of those. Fair whatever. Enough. If you can light it on fire, I'm kind of into it. Yeah. But uh, they meet in his office back behind uh, the kitchen, and he he lays out his problem. They're running out of money. He's been to the bank. They won't give him a loan. And he's coming to Pascal, who was like a frenemy, I guess. They're mm-hmm. competitors, but they're also kind of friends because they're both immigrants, and they're both Italian. They both live in the same area. Mentoring him, kind of, it seems. Yeah, and then he tells him a lie which basically ruins his business. The business is on its last legs, and Ian Holm is like, he wants to hire them both. He says so. Yeah. He wants to hire them both for his restaurant. Yeah. And uh, Segundo is very just like, no, no, I don't want to do that. And so he tells them, listen, have a party. I will bring my friend Louis Prima to the party, and we'll get a guy from the newspaper, and that will give you the publicity right. to bring the restaurant uh, into the public consciousness, and you will start making money. This is a lie. 
This is what the devil does. The devil tells you a lie. You make a deal with him and he destroys you and then he owns your soul, mm -hmm. which he kind of, that's the plan and it kind right. of works. And and it would be owning, especially in Primo's case, your soul, because that restaurant is everything he hates. And he says yeah. it numerous times, you know, they're, they're, he basically thinks they're Philistines, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know. It would be the equivalent of selling your soul. So I think you're onto something with this devil deal with the devil motif here. I think it makes sense. Well, specifically to that character and their relationship with him. I, I, it seems pretty heavy handed to me. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know if anyone else saw it. But, and he um, and there are other things, too, that will come up as we go. But other little things that he tempts him. He's always tempting him with. Things, yeah. Which is interesting, which is a very devilly uh, thing to do. Yeah, and Secundo is always extremely well controlled. He's yeah. he's always tightly wound, very much in control. His suit is immaculate, his hair is immaculate, his restaurant is immaculate. He wants he's very specific and detailed. And then you've got uh Pascal, Ian Holm, wonderfully played by Ian Holm, by the way. Yeah. But he's the exact opposite. He's id. He's like, you know, he's screaming all the time, he's lighting things on fire, he's biting Secundo in the butt, and he's saying, You have to bite into the you know, what do they say? You have to take a bite out of life or something like that? Yeah, a like, bite out of the ass of life or something. I don't know. What. Yeah, he's totally consumed with like hedonistic pursuits of money and pleasure and these and, and not being disciplined or showing any yeah. regard for, you know, the really good things in life, uh, the good foods in life and things like that. So, he doesn't like yeah. the rules, the rules mm -hmm. of cuisine um, yeah. as much as Primo seems to. Um, although Ian Holmes not really the chef, uh, he is more kind of he's he's more I think he's more runs that restaurant, and then has chefs working for him, and that's why he wants to have uh, Primo and Secundo there. But yeah. Um, yeah, for sure, he's definitely got this hedonistic way of being, where uh, it's it's it is very much like the devil or or some sort. It's of, a contrast to Secundo for sure. Yeah. So Secundo, because he's a good guy, because he likes to do things the right way, he believes that this man's telling him the truth because he thinks that that's what people do. They tell the truth to each yeah. other. Yeah. And so he goes about the plan of creating this great night for Louis Prima, this great party for him. And the minute 38, him and Secundo start gathering ingredients. They go to the market. They look at the basil, which does not look good. Not good basil. put that out there right now. They look wilted. He said it's black. When basil turns black, you can't eat it. No. So Prima seems kind of like, he's really mopey. You know what I mean? He's like, what are we doing? I don't know what we're doing. And then Secundo explains to him, hey man, this is it. If this doesn't work, we are done. We are going yeah. back to Italy, man. It is over. And that's when Secundo kind of, oh, sorry, Primo snaps to attention. He's like, okay, this is my moment. I have to come through here. Yeah. I'm a superhero in the kitchen. And I must show what I can do. I can. I must show the world my powers. Yeah. So from there, once Secundo clear clicks in that he has to really bring his A game. Minute forty, we cut to Primo. Everyone's back in the kitchen, and Primo starts asking for this. Take this drum, please. Wash this. He starts giving instructions, and Secundo's like, no, 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 no. And what we don't realize is that this is the precursor to, in my opinion. The greatest food porn event in cinema history. Really? To this point, that for me, anyway. How does it so, rate against the Goodfellas garlic 
prison better 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 yeah close close you learn a lot through the montage about different things that you know ways of cooking and making pasta and stuff like that it's it's very interesting yeah and the way uh primo who is his own hype man by the way he loves he loves him some him he yeah. really, but he says to, they're, they're like, what's timpano? And, and he's like, oh, he says to Phyllis, timpano is a pasta with a special crust and it's shaped like a drum, like a timpano drum. Yeah. Uh, and inside, all the most important things in the world. Don't you want to eat that chair? I do. Yeah. Except, except for when they cut it open and you see like the full eggs. Oh, you weren't a fan of the hard-boiled no, eggs? No, I I love hard-boiled eggs, but I'm just like that's strange. Like it's a strange addition for me. Um, it's you know it's not uncharacteristic. It makes sense, but it's just like whoa, that's a heavy, heavy meal right there. That's like lasagna yeah. dialed up to a thousand. Yeah, it's like pasta cake, which I'm I'm all for. Yeah, I'm and, completely in favor of that. And we can see what's in there for sure. There's some sort of he rolls. Pa- uh, Penne. He rolls his own yep. penne, it looks like. Penne, meatballs, sauce. Meat, meatballs, uh, sauce, eggs. eggs. I think they just repeat that. Yeah, and it's layered like a mm. lasagna almost. And then it's covered in, I guess, puff pastry or some sort of outer crust. No, I think that is like the pasta, like the oh, flat pasta. It's covered in pasta. a sheet pasta that's crisped up so yeah. that it, it has a bit of a crust to it, um, yep. which sounds very heavy. I had never, well, we'll get to it eventually, but yeah, uh, yeah it's, it, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll get to it. We'll talk about what right. happens. Anyway, uh, going along with my making a deal with the devil motif, while Secundo is driving around doing errands, get, getting ready for the party, minute 42, Secundo is driving past Pascal's restaurant and in slow motion, he sees a chef on fire. His jacket is yeah. on fire. And then he's running out of Pascal's restaurant through the back door. And Pascal is literally chasing him, screaming at him, looking like he's telling him to get the heck out of here. Yeah. Uh, and then the chef who is on fire takes off his flaming coat. And then Pascal sees Stanley Segundo and he's like, ooh, ooh. And he tries to like wave hi to him. Like, yeah. Seg- Segundo is getting a glimpse into what his future could be if this deal happens with the devil. So. Absolutely. And it's almost like they, the way that was shot, like it felt like slow motion. and It, it, it was slow motion. It, yeah, it felt very surreal. Him coming yeah. out and on fire. Like, is this really happening right now? Like it, yeah, it could have been a dream sequence. We don't know. Yeah. yeah. But very interesting. Minute 52. This is not a food moment, but it's a great moment anyway. Throughout the movie there's this kind of ongoing thing where the characters have a hard time finding the proper english word that they're looking for yeah and a lot of things get missed and there's this joke at minute 52 about uh talking about uh you know it's gonna rain outside he goes better than rain inside yeah and like (laughs) they they kind of like stop and neither no one it's it's it was the it was the like the least funny it sucked all the air out of the room and they just will not refuse they refuse to cut away from it it's like no, explain your joke. I don't understand. It doesn't rain inside. Like, you know, it's, it's... <laughs> Which to me is something that really kind of also helps tell their story, right? Like yeah. it tells that they are not, neither of these three guys are on the same page because mm-hmm. it was, it was uh, Primo Secundo and uh, Ian Holmes character were, were there, right? Yeah. Pascal. Yeah. So none of these three are the same on the same page whatsoever. Um, they're all three of them are Italian. It seems. Yep. Um, and 
they just it's a total communications breakdown that could have easily been edited out. If this was a very formulaic movie, it would it'd be totally unnecessary. But they kept it in, and it's great. Like it, it plays, and it was a good little laugh, and it also kind of t- tells you a little bit about the situation between these three guys. Oh, there there was some awkward pauses of the two of these guys trying to figure out the joke that just seemed like they lasted for hours, but it was yeah. only a few seconds. It was but they so were great. Well done. Yeah. Oh man, I've been in that situation because I'm around a lot of older Indian dudes who are who are immigrants, and their English is not their first language. So I, sometimes I will tell a joke which I think is pretty clever, but it will go over their heads because of the <laughs> language. And so then they're kind of like looking at me like, "What is this guy even talking about?" So you know, I really appreciated that part. Um, at that moment, at that little conversation between the three of them, minute fifty four, Primo finds out that the Louis Prima party is actually Pascal's idea, and he is not happy. He can kind of see through Pascal. Yeah, he doesn't. And he buy storms it. off, and Secundo is kind of like, "No, don't, don't." You know what I mean? Like, th- this is where the big bro kind of comes in, where where Primo's like, "I don't know about this, man. This this doesn't. I'm not happy about what's going on. I, I know this guy, and I know this guy is not a honest guy. So, yeah, I'm not he, happy. This guy seems like a. He seems shady to me. I don't. I don't. He doesn't trust him, and he thinks he's a philistine. So yes. And he goes, M58, he goes to his kitchen and he has one of the best chef rants I've ever heard. And it's, it doesn't, it's not like in that crappy film Burnt where it's so forced. Yeah. And you can tell it was overly written. Yeah. But some, some writer probably punched it up. They just brought him in to punch that up or whatever. But this is Primo talking about, do you know what happens in that restaurant? Rape! The rape of cuisine! And then... It's only for a second. Like, he doesn't go on and on, but he just kind of, like, gets it out of his system and kind of talks his way down again. But yeah. uh, how do you feel about the rape of cuisine? Uh, I mean, of, uh, it's it, it, glad you brought Burnt into the equation because that was the rape of cuisine film. Um, yeah. But, yeah, no, it totally... They raped film and cuisine. In that. There was double rape. Double rape. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Um, I'm sorry yeah. to... Uh, trigger alert trigger warning yeah let's tr- let's put a trigger warning on that um but yeah no i i agree with him although i didn't you know except for the cherry's jubilee i don't know we don't know if that's true mm-hmm. we're, we're just taking his word for it um because i don't think i don't think primo lies about that stuff no neither do i uh, judging yeah. by everything i know about him thus far but yeah. I, I think that's interesting to know we never actually know or see very much served at that other restaurant Mm-hmm. mm-hmm true so at one uh, as they're going through their day getting ingredients they're asking everyone they know and because they're immigrants they're new to this country they have all these unusual connections to people they don't really have that set social circle that you get when you're in a city for your entire life so you have all these strange connections like the the flower lady over here the italian barber over there the guy who's trying to sell me a car he's invited you know so you get this crazy cornucopia of individuals at this party which i was like this is my vibe man i love this this is exactly the kind of party i want to go to with all these interesting characters from different backgrounds and we're about to eat some great food so yeah and that's who they bring in yeah and the character segundo it's so he's so funny because he's so clearly a nerd but he's a food nerd you know like he he's he, he could easily be like a software programmer who's just like 
just this genius guy on his keyboard. And then he tries to be in social situations and he's very awkward. He doesn't know how to, doesn't know how to act. So he has this weird flirtation with the florist, uh, Anne, which mm-hmm. Secundo kind of makes fun of him for. And at uh, 104, turns out his his little crush, Anne, from the flower shop has arrived at the party. He eats some fresh parsley yeah. before he goes out to talk to her. So he knows at least that much. Yeah, I better eat this parsley before I go talk to this lady. So that was a great little moment for me. And, and I think that was kind of a nice moment between the two brothers where Bertucci is actually the one who invites her. Yeah. Because because Primo was just too scared. But yeah, yeah. They, kn- they knew each other and he knew... He knew that he he Primo would want her there. Yeah, and, and uh, that that's where the the kind of the partnership comes in. Like Primo is great in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Just stick him in the kitchen; he'll, he'll create miracles. But you need that front of house guy, yeah. the guy who's dealing with the customers, which yeah. is Secundo, and he's good with people. He can ask Anne, "Why don't you come to the party?" You know what I mean? So helps him out there, gives his brother a little little assist, uh, as we say in Canada, hockey. Shout out to hockey players. Minute ten. Primo, he's interacting with Anne in the, in the front of the house in the dining room, but then he does what guys like him do. He brings her into yeah. his world where he feels comfortable and yeah. he shows her, this is what I do. Watch how good I am at what I do. He's he's cooking uh, Fiorentino sauce, but he calls it Fiorentino Rapido sauce, which is a fast sauce. It's a quick sauce that he's put together with a lot of tomato, looks like tomatoes and, and stuff like that. Um, yeah. quick, quick, quick pasta sauce. Um, and she loves it. You know, and that's the move, ladies oh, and yeah. gentlemen. That's yeah. if you can cook and you're good at it, invite them into your world. Mm. Because uh let me tell you, it works like a charm here. She's all over him, she's loving it. Um when he feeds her the sauce with his own hands. Oh yeah. Here's the thing. Don't do that. I would say don't do that, but like she is trying to grab the sauce with her fingers and it's too hot for her and she's, mm-hmm. she's having trouble. She's like, oh, no problem. Boom. And he does it. That's smooth. But if you like here, try this and suggest someone eat sauce off your fingers, that's creepy. Don't do no. that. Yeah, so don't. it was the perfect execution of what he did. Don't lead with the sauce in the mouth with your fingers. That's not, it's not going to work. Yeah, and she eats this sauce, and she basically has an orgasm right in front of us. Right there. She says, oh, my God, like three times, I think, and her eyes roll back in her head. So, And this isn't the first – well, this is the first kind of foodgasm we get, but it yeah. won't be the last. There are plenty more. Yeah, and then he follows that up with the real slick line by talking about how, how he says that to eat good food is to be close to God. Yeah, And at that moment, I'm pretty sure she decided that she's going home with this guy. You can kind of see it in her eyes. She was like, oh, yeah, this is happening. And contrasts the devil mm. nicely. So once again, plays plays into that, you know, bad food, devil, good food, God. Yeah. Have, heaven there and you hell. Go. Heaven Definitely and hell. God. I didn't even see that coming, Jared. Good it's, very, it's a very simple analogy, but it's totally working. So Yeah. And playing off of that. Minute 115, Gabriella, played by the legendary um, Isabella Rossellini, goes to the back of the uh, restaurant where Phyllis, Minnie Driver, who is mm-hmm. Stanley Tucci's official girlfriend, yeah. Gabriella is his side lady, yeah. and she is also the um, wife of Pascal. Yeah. So there's so a lot going is a, on there. Is this like a quadrangular love? love it's a love... Octagon? Rectangle? Rect- octagon? Rectagon? Uh, parallelogram? 
Okay, this is a rhombus. This is a love rhombus. Love, a love rhombus. Yeah, yeah. So once again, for those listening at home, Secundo, his girlfriend is Phyllis, who is played by Minnie Driver. Yeah. He is also banging Gabriella, who is the wife of Pascal, Pascal. who he has made the deal with to get Louis Prima here. Yeah. So as I was mentioning, these are all very grown-up relationships. Right. And at, at no time... Does anyone kind of, well, I mean, maybe a little bit, but no one's out here grandstanding or like blowing up people's spots about who they're banging or what's going on. You know what I mean? No. Everyone's being grown up about this. You know, it's, it's never kind of revealed one way or another. So it's all beneath the surface. And also mm. this, this is kind of, you know, the devil tempting him with his wife, basically. I don't, you know, Pascal's not doing it. He's not knowingly doing it, but it is a temptation for uh secundo right he's being tempted by the fruits of the devil or whatever you want to call that lady um so i thought it was an interesting kind of play on that and plays well into this devil thing we're going on here uh, yeah absolutely and and, I, and like in this scene that red light is in the back of the restaurant shining on them is very similar to the red light in the restaurant mm-hmm. and phyllis is kind of this like optimistic young innocent type person who believes in the good of people and gabrielle you can see she has r- great smoking yeah uh, done by rossellini and you can see she's she's been around and she's very jaded and you can see she's kind of made a deal with the devil herself, which is like, all right, I'll marry you for the money, but I'm not going to like this. And I'm going to be kind of a mean person because I know that in my head, I've crossed the line by marrying you spiritually. And she manipulates, right? She even uses, she'd get to to help get the booze. Uh, You know, they're manipulating each other in a lot of ways. Her and and Tucci. Yeah. uh, Secundo. Yeah. She's kind of using, I guess, Secundo for sex, I guess. He's a sexier guy than Pascal. And then he's using her for booze. Mm -hmm. And then he makes the mistake that every overconfident dude does where he takes his main chick and his side chick and he brings them to the same party. Like he thinks that's going to work out. If you are, if you're a gentleman who's dating more than one lady, the easiest way to get caught is to bring them to the same party. That's, mm-hmm. I mean, that's a timeless classic. It's also yeah. sound. It's it. It's, why why ruin your night? Honestly, this is the most important night of your life, and you're really going to complicate it by having these two women in the same place. Like you can keep your eye on both of them. Like, are you yeah. out of your mind? Yeah, it's does it yeah. make it's, it's nonsense. Um. So, yeah, don't do it. No, not a good idea. Don't do it. Don't do it. Uh, so now we get into the best part of the movie, which is the actual party, the big night. We go through the courses. We go through the courses. Minute 116. The title card is, I believe it's called, is it one preemie or I preemie? Do you have the red? So it's in my notes here. They, they skip a bunch of courses. This is a, it seems to be a very kind of condensed Italian meal, but preemie is kind of your first course. Mm. Um, but before preemie, and they didn't, they don't really talk about it, but I guess, you know, the drinking can count as it, but you have the aperitivo, which is your aperitif, which is usually like, we before we were talking about Italian wines, it's usually an Italian white wine, like a Pinot mm. Grigio is a nice crisp white wine, or um, an Italian, like a Prosecco, to kind of get the palate going, really. Hey, 
shout out to straight guys who drink white wine. I'm one of you. So right, and Italian white wine is is some of the best. And then they'll they'll with that that maybe we'll have some olives out or just something kind of something to small to kind of get things going, get those juices flowing. But this isn't a, a real course. It's kind of their their apart. The French call it the apéritif. This is apéritif. Mm. Mm-hmm. Then you have antipasti, which is your mm. appetizer, right? And this is like, usually could be a good example is like charcuterie would be this little meats and cheeses, stuff like that to really kind of start things up. Then brimi is your first course. And brimi okay. is usually no meat. So no, so it's like a risotto or or a light pasta, maybe. I'm not sure Italians, correct me if I'm wrong on that. But it's a no. It's, it's there's usually no meat involved in this. Oh, okay. Well, in this, in this uh, primi, it is a risotto course. Right. Yeah. Secundo serves a incredibly visually appealing looking stack of risottos, like a, almost like a, a flag. You see the three it, colors. It's like the Neapolitan ice cream of risotto. Yeah, like it just, looks kind you, of like you, you yeah. have some choices there. Flavor. Yeah, I'm not sure if it matches the Italian flag or not. I think the Italian flag is three stripes, isn't it? It is. It's orange, uh, white, and green. Oh, then it does. That it does. No, it might be. Yeah, that's what it was. Red, it was red the, white, and green, or orange, white, and green. Well, for the for the risotto, it was a pinkish risotto, seafood risotto on one side, then a white risotto plain in the middle, and then a pesto risotto, which is the green on that mm-hmm. side. So. I think I think it was real risotto too. I think it actually looked pretty real it to me. It looked pretty realistic to me. It's weird how they served it on the, I guess to get that visual effect because it seems like Bremo is a very visually brilliant chef. Um, well, uh, yeah, and, and again, Secundo, showing Secundo is the man. Like you want a Secundo in your life because he tells Anne this is the green risotto which Primo made specifically for you. Right. I have no idea if it's that true, but my man is out here dishing out assists all Still over the place. It he, yeah. yeah. So, I, yeah, I couldn't see the – it's it's red, white, and green, the Italian mm-hmm. flag. I don't know what the red one was, but he said – It was sea, It was seafood. It was kind of pinkish. Sea, uh, oh, okay. Great. Yeah. And then we dive right into – and they're all around this great table, and it just looks like the best time. Yeah, I mean, minute 17, the title card says – okay, so the first one's called La Zuppa, and then the second one is – Primi il risotto, and that is green, white, and red. So it's the yeah, Italian flag. It's the Italian right. flag, yeah. And then the next one is Primi, which is the timpano. Okay, and they they called it what? Primi. Primi. So yeah. they had two double Primi there because it, usually it's Primi secundi, um, and then with your secundi you'd get a contorni which is like and that by italian i'm butchering it but um that's like a vegetable like broccolini or something like that and then if you know the vegetable if you need a little more vegetable which i think in this case you would you'd have like a an insalata like a salad right okay so and then they go into a whole montage of stuff and at the very end they bring out the pig okay so the but i think you know like just, just, just to level set expectation. Mm. It's Italians. This movie was written by Italians, so if they call it this, my knowledge of it is not going to be as good as their knowledge of it. Like I'll openly admit that. But from what I know of it, 
And there are different variations of it. There's a five-course Italian meal. There's a seven-course Italian meal. There are big 12-course Italian meals with different things added in. Like maybe you have, I guess, maybe you could have two primis. Um, I don't know. But for my knowledge of it, it's it's primi, secondi, insalata. I'm looking at my notes, so I make sure I, go, yeah. I don't miss anything. Um, and then there's like a f- cheese and fruit course bef- oh. to kind of warm you up. Before I would love a cheese and fruit course in my dinner. Oh, I'd lo- dinner. I love a cheese and fruit course in my day. Um, oh. And then you have yeah. dolce or dolce, which is dessert. And then cafe, coffee, and then uh, some sort of digestif, like a sambuca or a, or a fernet or some sort of liquor, like liqueur. Um, oh, which you mentioned the sambuca. Yeah. Remember in the Godfather episode when I was talking about the anyazat? Yeah. Coppola put in which right and we couldn't figure out what it was yeah it's 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 called um sorry what did we just say (laughs) sambuca Sambuca. yeah so another name for it is sambuca oh yeah so sambuca is anise like it's that anise flavored licorice flavored liqueur that you drank in university one night and got hammered and threw up and now you can't eat black licorice anymore like it's that or candy canes or candy candy canes (laughs) yeah so, uh, and I don't know, I forget if Fernet, I believe Fernet Branca is also Italian. It's a, I prefer that if I'm having a, a, a digestif or digestivo. It's more yeah. kind of like, it's, it's more bitter. Like if you drink it, you're like, I don't know why I'm drinking this and I don't know why I'm enjoying this, but I am. Yeah, it's just, I like that stuff. It's yeah. that kind of, you're like, I can't stop. Uh, uh, but I don't, I'm not enjoying this, but I am enjoying this. It's black coffee is kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's culinary bondage, right? It's culinary BDSM. Um, and and a a lot of liquors, liqueurs, uh, can be like that, right? Like not the, not fireball or anything like that, but like a lot of like the real weird Mm -hmm. Italian, like, I don't know if I really enjoy cognac, but people love it. I just don't. I, I it's not my thing. Um, it doesn't taste Bro, you, good you, to me. Even just whiskey, it's like, ugh, oh yeah. It's it's, like, but then, but then you get that warm feeling, and you're like, I think I need another one. Just give me another one. Yeah. So. After as you age, and uh, the more whiskey you drink, the less that you get, and you're, yeah. you you go chasing that burn elsewhere. You know. Uh, I gate- love it when your eyes water. You know. <laughs> it's a gateway to the the digestivos, but yeah. So we've solved the we solved the the course problem. We've course corrected. Woohoo! And now, Yo! <laughs> bangers! Boom! <by> Hell yeah! <laughs> and now, and now, where are we at in the meal? Sorry, I didn't want to. So, uh, so we've gone through the risotto, which was uh, with the title card said uh, "Primi." Right. Il risotto at minute sixteen. At minute seventeen, we alluded to this before. In my humble opinion. The greatest, greatest food porn scene of all time. The goat of food porn in movies. Il uh, Primi Il Timpano. When timpano. They, take the, they take the drum off the timpano and we see it in all its glory as this strange like architectural structure. Like a bunker of Italian pasta. You know yeah. what I mean? And they're all yeah. looking at it like... It's almost like he kisses it at one point. Um, well, the funny part is, is that uh, Mark Anthony, he like, he does what we all would have done, which is like poke it. He wants to touch it, right? <laughs> because like, it looks so cool. And yeah. then they slap his hands away and then they put their, both of their hands on it and then they put their faces on it. Yeah. 
You know, because it's, and they smell it. It's, it's 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 like a weird kind of uh, black box of culinary intrigue. Yeah. You know, it's this sealed thing, and you want to cut into it so bad. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of the one of the greatest things about dishes like that. Um, uh, beef Wellington comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Those dishes that you wrap, um, that you can't tell. Is it too hot? Is it done? Is it completely undercooked? And then you cut into it, and it's perfect. And everyone's like. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. And JJ really- Abrams has made has built an entire career on crafting stories with the mystery box structure. Yeah. Lost, for instance, was an entire show based on a mystery box with actually no nothing in the box. Right. This is mystery box food, which yeah. is like this structure, and you don't. We we kind of know what's inside it. We saw it being made, but we still want to know. We still. Well, how did know. it? How did it come together? How does it look? What's yeah. the experience going to be? And they oh, yeah. do this on on cooking shows. I'm not yes. a big I'm not a big cooking competition guy. I've kind of I think they've beat that horse to death. Um, mm-hmm. But the one thing they do is like, is it cooked? And then they cut into the chicken, and it's like, and then they cut to commercial, and then you're like, oh my god, it's cooked! Woo! Yeah, or, it's yeah. mystery box. It's mystery yeah. box psychology. It's it's that same. It's like exactly. It's that mystery box kind of that same feeling. It is visceral. Um, mm-hmm. On on reality tv shows it's a little less in depth than say this but yeah. uh it's a good comparison yeah and binging with babish i'm pretty sure he has a career because of this particular scene yeah this right. one this one and the pasta from chef yeah those were too big but this this one was a really big one this is a yeah. very important yeah so the the party's in full swing it's a montage you feel like you're there you you just have this warm i don't know about you but i felt really warm and like I was in a party that was safe and had cool people in it. You just get that warm feeling where you're just kind of yeah. like in the mix, you know? You're just kind of vibing it out. It just felt great. Everyone's having certain fun. Point, everyone's having fun. Everyone's eating. And then, bam, Pascal slams the table. Everything stops. Walks slowly over to Secundo, and he's, he's threatening to kill him. And then he says, I should kill you. This food is so effing good. And then he, like, he kisses his cheeks and he embraces him and with this crazy bear hug and i'm like hell yeah man i want to feel that way about food mm-hmm. you know i want to i want to feel a murderous rage because this food is too good what was uh it was one of the one of the uh Be- antonio Be- the desperado series movies the one mm. the, the one that at the end that wasn't as good and johnny depp is at every restaurant and he's like I have to go kill the chef now because this is, I order this everywhere I go and this is the best one I've ever had. And it's all yeah. about ballots. That, this reminded me of that for some reason. The Puerco Pibil. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, but, imagine this guy going out there and you make the Puerco, that probably, the rumor probably got out amongst the cooks. Hey, don't make that too good. Yeah. A boy from America will shoot your ass. Yeah, you kill you. So take yeah. it easy. Um, but he wants to kill the, he wants to kill Primo because. This dish is so good. And we see, uh, I think we see uh, Alice and Janney take a bite of it. and Yeah. Or, or one of the ladies at the table, I believe, was Alice and Janney. And she has yet another foodgasm. Eyes roll back in the head. Yeah. 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 It's it's funny, the murderous rage uh, that Pascal has, has been whipped into because of the deliciousness of the food. Secundo, when he's speaking to Alice and Janney in the kitchen, he's talking about how in this certain section certain part of Bologna, they mm-hmm. make this dish, this particular dish called lasagna, mm-hmm. Bolognese. 
And he says, and you eat this, you have to kill yourself. You must kill yourself because after you eat this, you can't live. It's just that good. It's just so, so good. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of murdering as far as food appreciation goes. I'm not sure what that's about, but, uh, you know. Part of it. These are passionate men. Yeah. <sighs> okay. So that leads into 120, the cooking and main course food montage. We got baked salmon. We got... I think it's called capons or capons, capons, uh, capons stuff with pomegranates, roasted potatoes and peppers, rabbit on a bed of polenta, rolls of veal stuffed with parsley and cheese, roasted vegetables, mushrooms, Roman artichokes and string beans, and the piece de resistance. You got yourself a half roasted pig being wheeled out here. Yeah. So I guess this is them. This is now them going into secundi. The Primi versus Secundi, maybe. They didn't title card from here on out. They didn't title card this, so, no. So this is the rest of the meal um, in all its glory. And it, it's it's insane. <laughs> Feels awesome. It's, the, it's, the montage, the food, everything. Just it, food porn at the highest level. Italians are the best at eating. Like, as a culture, oh, yeah. their eating, their culinary culture is just so rooted in in family togetherness and people eating together everyone's sitting at one table um you're passing the wine you're sharing things you're you know it's 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 very um it's very different uh Mm. you know a lot of cultures have the same kind of thing like in 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 chinese culture they'll sit at a round table with the spinny thing the lazy susan in the middle and they'll all take a little bit and build their own plate you know, in Japan, they got the boats coming down. Yeah, yeah the sushi boats. <laughs> yeah. Um, but or the, in Japan, they all sit on the floor, and it's yep. it's a different way of doing it. Every culture has their own uh, way of eating. Um, what about us? What about Canada? Because we're such a mixed bag of cultures, is mm-hmm. is there like a is there a way we do it, or, or do we just do it? whichever culture i guess it's whichever culture yeah, we, we come from we're, we're we're a country of immigrants man we just do we just kind of eat we don't really have a specific custom i don't think um mm. i've seen a lot of dudes eating in their car i'm a big car eater i like eating my car i love, I love that yeah. yeah i don't like eating and driving i usually if i'm eating something i have to pull over and actually eat it because yeah it's, it's hard to eat and drive for me um no i i'm glad you mentioned that i don't like multitasking eating with any activity yeah driving or otherwise i don't like i don't even like talking on the phone while i'm eating i like eating and walking annoys me no yeah because you you forget that you ate yeah you know you don't enjoy the food yeah yeah like if you're eating and you're on the phone with somebody you could eat an entire cake won't even register you just ate an entire cake man but i do like eating and getting fired Eating and getting fired is the one time you should eat and multitask. Eating when you're taking a loss is, is good yeah. multitasking. Uh, we bring Absolutely. we bring this up every episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. Break breakups, firings, uh, you know, getting traded from your NHL team, whatever, man. Yeah. Do it with something in your mouth. Yeah. Uh, food, food, food. Uh, you know, or whatever. But yeah. Well, hey, listen. Yeah. No judgment. Listen, if you get fired with. I'm not even going to get into it. Nah, <laughs> All right. So minute 22, it's dolce, which is dessert, but they don't show any dessert. Everyone's just passed out at the end yeah. of this party. Like no one's even got room for dessert at this yeah, point. They're just f- 
full of food and now they need the, the, the drink. They need that maybe some sort of Zambuca to really kind of help with digestion. Yeah, this this kind of this whole thing kind of reminded me of a wedding. Yeah. You know? Everyone's kind of dressed nicely. It's kind of formal. They're sitting around a table and at the end of it everyone's just it's all gone to hell. Everyone's their shoes are off, you know what I mean? The hair is down, people are falling asleep. Yeah. This is this is my type of party. I, I yeah, like this. It's a quite a big food coma going on and it's when you're pairing like red wine with you know, heavy Italian food like a yeah. you know like a drum filled with eggs and pasta. Yeah, what do you think's gonna happen? <laughs> you're going to sleep. Like you're yeah. going to sleep. So at 128, Gabriella, the incomparable Isabella Rossellini, at the end of the night, snitches mm-hmm. on her husband Pascal and tells Primo that Louis Prima is never coming. A little confusion there with the two names, Primo and Louis Prima. Yeah, yeah, it's annoying. A little bit confusing, but and then she says that. And then she says that, and then she says to Primo, thanks for the best meal of, of her life. Yeah. So cold as ice, Gabriella, you know what I mean? I'm just going to, I'm going to crush your dreams. And also thank you. That's great. A great meal. Yeah. Thanks for the meal though. Yeah. See ya. Yeah. It's crazy. Real cold. So yeah. if the reveal of the timpano is the greatest food porn scene of all time, I will say that at minute 141, at the very end of the movie, the last scene, it's the next morning. Uh, Mark Anthony is sleeping on the butcher block. Mm-hmm. Secundo and Primo have had this giant fight after climax. Yeah, the big fight on the beach. Yeah, um, and they, they really, they really, they really have a falling out, like drag out, fu kind of match where. Yeah. Yeah, it all comes to a head. All their tension comes to a head, and it seems like this is it. This is over. This, the brothers are splitting up. The restaurant's dead. Everything, all hope is lost, basically, right. when the end of this night has, has come. So now it is the next morning. The sun has come up. Secundo enters the kitchen. He's looking pretty depressed, but despite that, he wakes up uh, young, I Mark, forget his name. Mark Anthony. Mark Anthony, whatever. <laughs> Pre J Lo Mark Anthony. Yeah, pre J Lo Mark Anthony. So uh, it's one shot. He enters, wakes the dude up. He starts cracking eggs into a pan, makes an omelet with three eggs. And we see him do it. It's all in one shot. He's literally making an omelet in front of us, a real omelet. And then he breaks off a piece for Mark Anthony, breaks off a piece for himself, a little piece of bread for you, a little piece of bread for me. Let's just sit here and eat breakfast and not say anything. Yeah, he doesn't. We're even, not saying anything. He doesn't even roll the omelet. Like he just like cuts a chunk of it off and gives it to Buddy. There takes yep. a chunk for himself. Um, and it's weird because uh, contrasting it to the abomination burnt. Um, when all hope is lost, his buddy there makes him an omelet. Fancy French omelet. A fancy French omelet, but mm-hmm. it's kind of and then they kind of commiserate with one another. Um, but, and, and the guy says in the most cliched way, uh, yeah, you're yeah, the yeah. best, you're the best. We need we, you, man. We need you. You take us places. Uh. Um, but in this scene, they do the exact same thing. So clearly burnt, maybe borrowed this could borrow this notion. We'll, we'll call it borrowed. We'll call it yeah, borrowed. borrowed or, or paid homage to this scene in an attempt to try and elicit that same feeling that they totally 
you know, shot one over the barn on that one. But here you actually get that feeling when Primo comes in and he shares the egg with him. He shares some of his with and no him. one's talking. Yeah. It's and, all and, done through action. Yeah. They don't say anything. They don't need to say anything. He's not like, you take us places that we wouldn't yeah. be too afraid to go. No. They're saying, look, I know it went down last night. We had a big night. Yeah. Um, yeah. But we're still good. Everything's All the information that's communicated. Is, yeah. Primo comes in. He kind of Everyone kind of is looking around. Nothing gets said. He just sits next to Secundo. Secundo breaks off a piece of omelet for him. They sit next to each other. Secundo puts his arm around him for a second and then brings it back. And then Primo puts his arm around him for a second and then takes it back. And they just, the end shot is just the two of them munching on their omelets, sitting yeah. quietly next to each other like they've probably done their entire lives. Yeah. You know? And you, you know, like the thing is, interestingly enough, it gives me a feeling of not all hope is lost. Because even when during the party, the reporter's like, I got to go because. Uh, yeah. Louis Prima is not here or whatever. Um, but I'm going to send a food reviewer at some point because this place is so good. So yep. the restaurant's not totally done. Like, I don't know. Like, there's hope. Well, it, that's the thing. Like, it seems like the, this restaurant might be done. This chapter yeah. in their lives might be done. But the two of them as brothers and as partners in life, they're going to keep, they're going to stay together. The previous night, you know, Primo is saying, let's go back to Italy. There's nothing for us here. Secundo is staunch. He wants to stay in America. So I think this silent shot shows that they might go back or yeah. they might stay, but they're staying together. Yeah, you never know. Yeah. That was nice. So that, nice way to end the movie and end it, yeah. on, end it on breakfast. Most important meal of the day. And the most optimistic meal of the day. Yeah, it sets you on the right path for the day, as we always say. Listen, if, if you have a good yeah. breakfast, you're going to have a good day. We are an extremely pro-breakfast podcast. Yeah. We always have been. I feel like we always will be. And we hope everyone has good breakfast. Anyway, that is all the food in the GOAT of Food Movies Big Night. Now, the Food Awards. I'm going to add a sound effect here. Some do, 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 do. Food Awards. Um, yeah. All right, Jerry. Let's talk about it. Best use of food in the movie. We know. Yeah. Or do we know? Uh, like you, you go first, and I'll and I'll figure it out. I mean, yeah. It. There are so many good uses of food in this movie. Yeah. That to give it to the I don't know, I was just think I'm saying it wrong the the tempane or whatever tempano 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 uh, yeah. to give it to that I guess you kind of have to. Okay. Because it's the catalyst for that whole dinner basically yeah. um but i'm reluctant to because it's almost feels it feels too easy very easy well some might say the the omelet the hopeful omelet the hopeful omelet i like also the risotto the yeah. the, the philistine risotto i like the philistine risotto I'm, okay. I'm a big fan of the philistine risotto i'm gonna put my eggs in that basket um yeah. because i think that that was that helped really set the set the story in motion, right? That was the first layer of flavor in this in this Italian dish of a film um, that really kind of sets us up as we move through the story. What about you, Paul? You know, I got I gotta I gotta take up for the timpano. You just can't. I've never seen anything like that in a movie. 
that's the goat food porn of any movie I've ever seen to this day. To this day! Boom. Son. <sighs> John Favreau can suck uh, Tony Shalhoub's, I don't want to say. Tempano. You know, yeah, Tempano. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, at some point we'll do that Favreau movie. Uh, but for right, and I'm curious to see where it lands. Uh, I think I know exactly where it would land in the, this three, these, you know, burnt big night chef. I think I I know where we would rank it, but, um, but yeah, I think, I think the Tempano, I'd say it's too easy, but it, you're right. It is the, it's the, it represents the concept of this whole movie is like a Tempano. Things get mm-hmm. added in. There's, you know, there's chaos in there. There's mm-hmm. that outer crust. Like it, it's layered. It's nuanced. It's 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 a simple dish, but in a very kind of it's got a lot of complicated things going on underneath. So yeah, yeah, I agree. I think I you know I don't I don't disagree with you there. Um, I like the 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 philistine risotto as a catalyst for the story. You like mm-hmm. the tempano as an analogy for everything. Yeah. Also, just the. Just the plain food porn of it. Yeah. Seeing it made, seeing it come out of the oven, seeing them touch it, and then seeing them actually cut through it, and then the reactions to everyone eating it. Yeah. Masterful, masterful yeah. food. You porn. remember the slice of it, right? When you see oh, the slice. Oh, yeah. You remember yeah. that. Like It's like the yeah. garlic slices in Goodfellas. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, so that is the first food award. Next food award. Which character would you most like to have dinner with? The lowbrow side of me, Pascal's wife. Uh, <laughs> do you th- do you think you could? Do you think close I, that? You think I could stand up close to that, that deal? That, I don't know. I, I'm saying, do you think you could take close that deal? I'm a hap- you... I'm a happily married man. Um, okay, but I think <laughs> I think she's a handful, man. She doesn't suffer fools. So yeah, I, I think ah, this one's tough too. It would. Have... Right, I, I, I'm I'm going with Gabriella. Pascal's wife. You're going. <laughs> you're, you're swooping in on that one. I'm telling you right now, you get one and a half glasses of wine in this lady, and she will spill the beans on yeah. everything and everyone she hates. She will just, yeah. The I, antithesis. I Gabriella. The antithesis would be have dinner with Mark Anthony's character, who just stays quiet the whole time, and yeah. and you get to eat. Um, yeah. But I'm gonna go with Pascal. Oh. good. This is this continues on your theme of father figures, by the way. Powerful men. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> well, it, it, that's what you. That's who you like to talk to. Well, yeah, or I don't know about. I don't know if I see him as a father figure. I see. He, yeah, definitely. As he's a, the most. Po- he's he's as, the most powerful guy as an evil mentor, maybe. But okay. he's he, he's diabolical, um, and so I think. But even he explains it in the end. Like I didn't do it because you were stopping my wife right mm-hmm. like he's he was playing the chess pieces to try and get what he wanted yeah. um and so he's evil he's the he's the kind of he is the devil in this yeah movie. he's the devil in this movie he's you know he's in he's the antithesis to the brothers you know so but i do like him i father figure i don't know but maybe i maybe there is a pattern here and and uh, we really need to dive deep into my psyche to to figure this out. But next time, I'm just gonna I'm gonna throw you guys a curveball and and have dinner with like the the hot hot lady or something. 
uh, all right. Um, do we have any spinoff from this movie? What, what, do you, what do you think is the uh, spinoff that you would like to see from this movie? I think I think uh, whatever happens to Mark Anthony would be an interesting story. Yeah. Uh, maybe a silent film. Absolutely. Um, also, Pascal's wife. Okay. I think she could she could be interesting. All right. Um, and... I like I like the reporter from the newspaper. All right. I think that guy's got an interesting life. Yeah, he goes to restaurants to interview jazz musicians. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I think I think he smokes uh, the marijuana cigarettes. Probably. And uh, he hangs out with beatniks, uh, jazz musicians, hippies, uh, liberal Jewish politicians, Ooh. and um, you know. Just the general intelligentsia of both the upper class and the lower class. I think he, I think he mingles amongst, amongst both. He reminds me of one of those guys who works for the New Yorker from uh, the French Dispatch. Sorry, he reminds me of a character who works for the French Dispatch. Right. That's what I'm he's yeah. yeah, he's their food guy or something. Yeah, yeah, he's their people, places, and things guy. Yeah. So ratings. What are your ratings for this? I mean, as a food movie, I. I, I have trouble finding fault with it. Mm-hmm. The whole movie is an analogy for food. There is so much food in it. Um, so I would, I probably am going to have to give that a 10. Uh, no, we're going for five. Five. We're Why do five. I always go 10? I always lean 10. I don't know. Um, oh. Yeah, that's a hard five for me as a food movie. For five uh, what's though? Five. I'll give it five aperitifs. Dope. And as a uh, movie movie, movie, movie. Yeah. I'll give it four digestives. All right. I got as a as a as a food movie. Listen, we got to give that five rabbits on a bed of polenta. So. Okay. And as a movie movie, we got to go five Roman artichokes. So you're going 100%. five and five, five and five, five and five, five and five. I love this movie. It I, oh. this movie feels like a relative to me. Like it feels like family to me. I get that feeling when I watch this movie. Yeah, it's it's hard to find flow with it. Um, mm-hmm. I think there are things that I I would have liked, you know, just to see, or just things I would have liked explained a little more to me. Um, not in the burnt way, but just certain things that I, you know, as I because I'm curious. But uh, hard to find hard to find any flaws with this film. It's a pretty good movie. Like it's it's up there. Yeah. God bless this movie. All right. Well, uh, unless you have anything more to say, I think we can wrap it up. I have nothing more to say on the subject. Whew. Ladies and gentlemen, that was the Food Movies podcast for the seminal food movie, the one that started it all, the goat of food movies, Big Night, written by Stanley Tucci, written, co-directed with Stanley Tucci and some other guy who was in the movie, which I forgot his name. Some other guy. Do we have a movie for next week? I don't think we do. Uh, no, we don't. Um, so we'll leave oh. th- we'll leave that as a mystery, unless you have something and you want to do. Are you back to them? Yeah, I, 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 we're not going to solve this right no, now. No, no, no. This is what we're doing. National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. <laughs> Bold. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'm into we're it. We're doing it. We're doing I'm, it. I'm okay. into it. Do they? Yeah, there's food in that. There's, there's got to be food in that. If there's not, we'll do something else. We'll but do something as of right else. now, it's going to be National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. This has been the Food Movies Podcast. I'm your host, Paul. That's Jeremy. We'll see you next time, folks. See you later.
Yeah, good job, Jer. Good stuff. All right, man. <laughs> Whew.